intersection of health and wellness. This is a podcast dedicated to educating and entertaining one stop at a time. My name is Dr. Keating. We welcome all you listeners. We've got some good stuff to go over today. First off, our main event is going to be heat versus ice. When we're going to use heat, when to use ice, discuss some contrast baths as well as some contraindications to each heat and ice themselves. Our supplement spotlight of the week is going to be apple cider vinegar. We're going to discuss some of the benefits of it, some ways to mix it into your diet. Of course, talk about my good friends over at Now Foods and their supplement for apple cider vinegar, as well as discuss some contraindications for taking it. And what a way to wrap up today with trivia time. You know it's coming. You guys can't wait for it. I'm pretty excited about it too because today we are going to be saying goodbye to 2020 with our trivia. That's kind of our theme today. We're going to just go over some different questions about events through 2020 to kind of get it all wrapped up and get it into the past. You know, one of the sayings is it's not, you know, happy new year. It's happy next year. Tomorrow or tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be it too. But you know, it's going to be the next year, hopefully a better one for 2021. But before we get into our main event, let's just start with one of the most 2020 things to happen happened yesterday. Of course, we're in Wisconsin here, big Badger fans. The Badgers played uh, Wake Forest yesterday in the Duke Mayo Bowl. You know, our Badgers came out on top, but once they did win, I'm sure you guys have heard about it. It's been on the news here. If you're not from Wisconsin, check it out. Graham Mertz, one of our quarterbacks, actually dropped the trophy when he was celebrating in the locker room. The dang thing shattered. Made some news all over here in Wisconsin. Shattered trophy. One of the players, I think, put a packet of mayo on top of it, of course, making the joke of the Duke Mayo Bowl. But, boy, what an ending to the 2020 bowl game, hey? How appropriate. So, with that, we'll get into our main event. Heat versus ice. Now, ice packs and heating pads are both commonly used to treat, you know, orthopedic injuries, whether it's sprained ankle, you know, maybe you need to pull a muscle shovel in your back. We just got about seven inches of snow here where I'm at. But people are often confused about which one to use. Moreover, there's often uncertainty about how to use them safely and whether they may cause more harm than good. We're going to start off with talking about heat here first. Now, the theory behind heat is that heat's going to be great for chronic conditions, things that are old. You know, usually acute is the initial onset to about 72 hours after. There is a subacute category in there for. We're talking three to five days, maybe even three to seven. But past that, after that week of already having the injury, we're into almost kind of that chronic stage. Heat does help to relax tissues, help stimulate blood flow to the affected joint or muscle. And, you know, it's it's typically used to treat overuse injuries before an action is performed. Important that we note that it is before. Most of the time, ice is used for things after, but heat is great to help loosen up muscles from overuse injuries. Now heat can be an effective form of pain relief in situations where we're discussing and dealing with muscle tension, where muscle tension is the main cause of the pain. You know, heating can help relax tissues, it can help loosen stiff joints, and you know, makes it very appropriate for a lot of musculoskeletal conditions. Even ones such as like arthritis or old muscle strains and sprains. Now, there are some different types of heat we can get discussed into here. Moist heat versus dry heat. The moist heat is kind of, you know, it's we're talking more our steamed towels, uh, moist heating pads, some of those hydrocolators, things like that. 
Those may intensify the penetration of the heat into the muscles. Some people really find that that moist heat provides better pain relief than dry heat, but to each their own. You know, dry heat, we're talking more of the electric heating pad, even some of the microwavable bags filled with wheat, rice, some other natural or synthetic ingredients. If you got an old grandma, of course, she's probably made you a couple of these things that you throw in the microwave. I know my grandma's made me some. They're in the shape of hearts. God bless her. Great at knitting, all that stuff, putting that stuff together. So, you know, whether it's the moist heat, the dry heat, they all do do help. Now, you know, this heating's great. We talked about, you know, some chronic kind of stuff, even osteoarthritis. We discussed that the inflammation of joints or pain caused by worn away cartilage in joints can, you know, can be caused, causing pain, causing stiffness in places like elbows, knees, shoulders, fingers. There's a lot. That's just to name a few. But for instance, you know, we can't even do things like soak in a warm tub or take a really warm shower. Now when we're talking warm, we're talking about 92 to 100 degrees. You know, of course, not scolding hot. Those temperatures usually do help. So that's why even at the, you know, beginning of the day, a nice warm bath is going to help you. Even at the end of the day, a nice warm bath, depending on what you're doing that day. Heat some things up. Heat up chronic old stuff. Now there are some things that we have to be careful about when we talk about heating things up. Of course, we're not going to use heat treatments after a activity. Like I said, this is for, you know, before an activity to loosen things up. We're not going to use heat to treat an acute injury either. Like I said, more so chronic in this case. Always make sure to use moderate heat. Nothing scolding hot that's, you know, causing sweating or discomfort. You know, make sure it's not, we're not taking it right onto our body after it's been boiling in water or something like that. You know, make sure we don't use heat where there's any swelling of any kind, any broken or damaged skin, and make sure we're really not using it for a extended period of time. Most importantly, while we're sleeping, that's important. We don't want to make sure we don't want to have a, a burn in our skin or something while we're trying to do something positive. We want to make sure that we're staying away from any possible negative effects. After we got things all warmed up here, let's delve right into my neck of the world here, since it's about 12 degrees here in Wisconsin. Let's discuss the theory behind ice. So ice treatment is most commonly used for acute injuries. Like I said, we've been comparing chronic and acute. Acute is that initial onset to about 72 hours. It really helps to reduce swelling, reduce pain, reduce inflammation. You know, the thing about inflammation is it is the body's natural response to an injury or an infection. Your blood vessels and tissues swell so that immune cells can get closer to the damaged area. But... While vital to healing, inflammation still, you know, when it's left uncontrolled, may cause some extreme pain and disability. If you have experienced a physical injury within the past, like I said, 0 to 48 hours, an ice pack can really help with the swelling, reduce the bleeding with tissues, and help alleviate any acute muscle spasms and pain. Now, I said most of the times chronic conditions are heat. There are a couple here where we could use things for ice, but it's more of those overuse injuries after the activity. I said before with the heat, after for the ice, things like tendonitis, tendinosis, bursitis, a lot of those overuse injuries, post-activity ice is going to be great for you. You know, now I said there's one arthritis that is better off with ice. Most of the osteoarthritis conditions are better for heat, but there's one that's better for ice and that's a gouty flare-up. Of course, most of you guys probably know that it's a flare-up of the, you know, large toe, the joint in the large toe, usually uh, more affected in men, usually from a high 
alcohol intake and high red meat intake diet. So of course there, there's ways we can talk about that, but that goes back to our diet discussion a little bit. But when you are having a gouty flare-up in that foot, ice can help calm the flare-ups and even uh, alleviate some of the, the pain by kind of numbing it away. Now, if you guys have been listening to us as well, of course, we had a headache discussion in one of our earlier podcasts, and, you know, who really hasn't experienced a headache of some degree in their life? We all have. So, you know, some are lighter, some are easier, some are treated with some of those over-the-counter pain relievers, while some other ones might require some more extra steps for relief. Ice can really help soothe throbbing pain in your head. Some people use cold masks, some people use cold wraps, just regular wrap over the forehead, eyes, temples. Things like that are really good at decreasing that throbbing pain, whether it's a headache or a migraine. Now, just like an eye, or just with the heat, there are situations where you have to be careful with ice, like never placing ice directly onto the skin. Always use a cloth barrier, like a thin bath towel, something like that. Of course, don't be using too many layers, otherwise you're going to lose the therapeutic effect of it. But make sure we're not getting anything like frostbite onto our skin. We're never going to ice an injury more than about 20 minutes. You know, we always learned in school, any of my school friends listening are going to laugh at this, but about 20 minutes, we all learned that for boards. You know, it's better to ice an injury multiple times a day than it is all at once. You're going to get a better effect if you do it about 20 minutes, you know, three, four times a day for a pretty acute situation. And of course, removing the ice pack, if you do feel any of that prickly pain or the skin appears to be a bright pink or red, just, you know, make sure that we're, we're not giving ourselves frostbite when we discuss ice of course there's one method that comes to my brain that i have to discuss and that's the rice method now rice for any athletes out there i'm sure you guys know it but rice stands for rest ice compression and elevation that is how we're going to address kind of an acute injury again zero to 48 72 hours whatever it is but resting is, of course, fantastic. We're not going to go ahead and re-injure the same tissue that was injured the first time. So, of course, rest up. Ice, like I said above, all the things that are great for it. Reducing swelling, reducing pain, getting rid of inflammation, all good stuff. Compression is even great, too. It's going to reduce the blood flow to that area so we can heal a little better and not allow a, a uh, inflammation party to occur. And the same thing with elevation. Elevation is going to take that swelling, that edema, help get it out of that area so it can really heal up and, and get better in a faster fashion. As I mentioned above too in the beginning, I'm going to discuss a little bit about contrast baths here. Now, no, we're not taking a bath here, but it's kind of just the term that's been coined for using heat and ice back to back from each other. Of course, the contrast of temperatures. This is one of my things that I love giving patients in the clinic who are in that subacute so we're talking more of like five to seven days or just early, early stages of chronic pain. What it does is we're going to have a patient. You can do ice first or heat first. It doesn't matter. In my opinion, heat, for, heat first works a little better than doing ice first. But you're going to go 20 minutes of heat followed directly by 20 minutes of ice. may sound kooky and crazy, but what it does is it kind of meets the midline of each of the therapeutic benefits of each. Of course, with heat, we're going to be decreasing the muscle spasms and allowing the, the muscles and tendons to work a little better, but we're also increasing blood flow to that region. While increasing blood flow there, we're going to kind of initiate an inflammation party. Of course, inflammation is good, like I said above, but too much of it is a bad thing. So, after we kind of do increase a little bit of inflammation, we hit it right away with ice after. Ice is going to, of course, slow down some of the blood flow, 
make sure that we decrease inflammation. So it's a great way to get therapeutic benefits from each one without getting the far end reaching benefits, which are, you know, I, I will call them side effects. But in this case, they're just, I mean, they're, they're positive based on what situation you're in. So contrast baths, more subacute, early kind of chronic uh, type injuries there. Now there's one, of course, big contraindication here for both heat and ice. And that's, you know, using it with um, areas that have decreased sensation. This is for patients that have neuropathy, you know, whether it's from diabetes or some other condition, or even a condition called Raynaud syndrome. You know, these extreme temperatures can cause skin damage. And if we don't have those pain receptors working correctly on the skin to know that, hey, this hurts, this is causing damage to us, it can leave a pretty lasting effect in a negative manner rather than the positive effects that we want from heat and or ice. Oh boy, now that I really cooled it off in here, got that ice discussion over with, we're going to take a quick transition over to our supplement spotlight of the week. As I mentioned above again, this week is apple cider vinegar, one of my favorite ones. I take it every morning, you know, along with my turmeric, magnesium, omega-3s, vitamin B, and uh, what is it, green tea extract. Uh, apple cider vinegar is also in there, like I said. But we're going to go over a little bit how it's made and, you know, why people use it. So for centuries, apple cider vinegar has been used as a, a home remedy to treat many ailments. It's also been used as a disinfectant and kind of a natural preservative to some. But today, you know, it's most well known for its use in weight loss and blood sugar regulation, among some possible other things. Now, how it's made is just like any other vinegar would be, but it's produced during the fermentation of apple cider. During the process, the sugar in the apples is fermented by yeast and sometimes some bacteria as well, and that's added to the cider. Eventually, as it goes going through this fermentation process, of course, we all probably know that fermentation is going to create alcohol, but if we let that keep fermenting, it's finally going to turn into vinegar. You know, many consume this vinegar in just a shot. You know, I started off with just a shot of it in the morning, but boy, did that start tasting bad. Taste, smell, ugh, not about it. So there are cases we'll discuss a little later about vinegar capsules and gummies as well. Just like other types of vinegar, the key component in apple cider vinegar is acetic acid. Apple cider vinegar does contain some other acids like lactic acid, citric acid, and malic acid. A little bit of bacteria as well, of course, from the fermenting. But the big key is that acetic acid in vinegar appears to block enzymes that help you digest starch resulting in a smaller blood sugar response after starchy meals such as things like pasta, bread, big-time carb stuff. Now, with all this acid in apple cider vinegar, of course, very acidic, you know, we do have to be a little bit careful. That's why taking shots of it is, I mean, you're still going to get the benefits of it, but it actually can cause some problems like eroding away the enamel of your teeth if you do it too much. That's why I suggest the supplement form, taking a little pill, they even do have some gummies now that are, you know, you can get them all, all sorts of places. They're pretty easy to get access to. They don't really have that crappy taste, and they're not going to erode the enamel of your teeth. Now, like I said, one of the big components of apple cider vinegar is the blood sugar response regulation. There was a study done where proponents claimed that consuming vinegar before or with a meal does have a satiating effect. Satiating meaning the feeling of fullness, you're going to be full, so you're going to eat less. There's a 12-week study done from Japan that reported that people who had consumed up to 30 milliliters, which is about six teaspoons, 
of vinegar per day experienced a modest 1 to 2 pound reduction in body weight. Their body mass index, weight circumference, triglycerides, and visceral fats were also slightly, slightly reduced. But to date, one of the most convincing applications of this apple cider vinegar is treating type 2 diabetes. Of course, with a response to the blood sugar levels, you know, we'll discuss type 2 diabetes is characterized by high blood sugar levels caused by either a, by insulin resistance or the inability to produce insulin. However, people even, you know, without diabetes can also benefit from this thing to keep their blood sugar levels in the normal range, as some, some researchers actually believe that high blood sugar levels are a major cause of aging and various chronic diseases. Of course, we want to be as young and thriving as we can, and stay away from those chronic diseases. Living longer, baby. Living to see 2021. Here we are. Now, of course, the most effective and healthiest way to regulate blood sugar levels is to do the things you know, we all know they're tough to do. Avoid refined carbs and sugars. Eat right. Get your greens. All that fun stuff we lecture on about in the diet topic. But apple cider vinegar can also have a beneficial effect to help boost that. Now, there are some other we'll call them not voodoo um, uses of it, but some less common uses of apple cider vinegar. We'll go through just a couple here. One of them, people swear by apple cider vinegar to help decrease some of the, you know, mild sunburn uh, symptoms. You know, some people usually use water compress, cool bath, aloe gel, moisturizers, but there is some discussion that, you know, spritzing on a little bit of apple cider vinegar to the effective area, of course, avoiding the face may relieve some of that related pain and discomfort. There's also some people that say it's great for dandruff, of course, spritzing it into the hair. There's not a lot of science behind these discussions, like there is the, uh, the diabetes assistance with the high blood sugar response. But there's even some people that say it's great for sore throats. Of course, they mix that in with a little bit of honey, gargle in with a little bit of salts. Who knows if the apple cider vinegar is what's actually doing it or it's some of the other products that are in there. Now, ways to incorporate it into your diet. You know, we can get apple cider vinegar into your meals by adding a splash to salads, to a marinade, to vinaigrettes, any homemade sauce, things like that. So you can get creative about it. It's obviously a lot easier to take into a supplement. It's a pretty natural thing to take with a supplement. Like I said, of course, Now Foods has a great product. But either way, we can add it into our salads, marinades, and sauces. Now, there's a little bit of to be, a little bit to be careful about here for some contraindications. Of course, if you have something like diabetes or pre-diabetes, of course, consult your physician before taking this because apple cider vinegar may interact with certain diabetes medications as well as other medications, which include some laxatives, diuretics, blood thinners, and even some heart disease medications. So, of course, just make sure we're consulting our physician before we go ahead and start taking this apple cider vinegar. And lastly, as I've mentioned before, the strong taste. Ew. Really not for everyone. Some people love it. Some people hate it. So again, that's why I take it in supplement form. But if you are taking it, make sure we're trying to dilute it so it's not so acidic onto the enamel of the teeth. Now that we got our apple a day to keep the doctor away, let's get into a little bit of trivia time. Like I said, this trivia time is going to be dedicated to the passing of 2020. Thank gosh, tomorrow, New Year's kicking in. The next year, as I said when we started here. But, you know, tonight is uh, New Year's Eve. Getting this podcast out to you guys this is the last one for 2020. We'll do all our sentimental stuff at the end of the podcast. Thanking you guys for such a good year. All that stuff. But, 
last discussion here is going to be our trivia time. The most fun. I know you guys can't wait for it. I got three good questions for you today. They're all based on events that happened in 2020. Some kind of bigger ones. Some that are interesting. Some, you know, just for fun. So, here we go. Let's get into it. In January of 2020, who announced they are stepping down from their duties as senior members of the royal family? Now, for those of you that got this right, you probably keep your nose in one of those People magazines or those gossip magazines, much like my grandma. Maybe you just love gossip columns, but the correct answer is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I believe those guys are up in Canada or something right now. You know, it's a shame that they had to do that, remove themselves from that whole uh, royal family, but I hope that 2021 brings them a better year than 2020 did. On to the second question. This one hits home for everybody, most of us sports fans. Here we go. Let's get into it. One of the largest sports icons of the current period and one of his daughters passed away in a tragic helicopter accident earlier this year. He was a leader and innovator for the sport of basketball. You guys all know who I'm talking about. The GOAT, Kobe Bryant, greatest of all time. First off, rest in peace, Kobe and Gianna. Of course, uh, the basketball community misses you guys, and uh, we'll keep pushing forward to continue the work that you know Kobe and you guys have done. But... The question for today is, how many NBA titles did Kobe win during his career? Now, no looking this one up, guys. You guys probably all know he played for the Lakers, and the correct answer is five. He won back-to-back-to-back between 1999 and 2002, and then back-to-back again between 2009 and 10, all with the Lakers. Of course, what a good player. Left a lot of uh, memories for people. Of course, he's got his own shoe line. I got a couple pairs of Kobe's myself and definitely rocked those all after he passed there. Just kind of remembering him for all the work that he did in the basketball community and just the community in general. Good community guy. Last question here. A little bit of country show where we're from here is, who was the new Artist of the Year winner at the 2020 CMA Awards? Country Music Awards, that is. Who was... The new artist of the year winner. Go. Now you guys are probably singing his songs. He sings songs like The Way I Talk, Whiskey Glasses, and Chasing You. You got it. Morgan Wallen. You know, what a way to uh, appreciate the good music he's given us to get through this year of 2020. Rather than playing a little song for here. So we'll get a little snippet here. Good luck, enjoy it. Get back to you in a second. What a jam, Morgan Wallen, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the uh, new Artist of the Year winner for the 2020 CMA Awards. Now, that does bring us to the end of all the pretty much fun today. I said we'll get a little bit of sentimental stuff here at the end. You know, before we sign off, I'd like to thank everyone for making this podcast a success so far. We are gaining listeners every day, spreading the word of chiropractic, spreading the word of just maintaining health and wellness. You know, 2020 has been a rough year. Let's make 2021 the year a great year for Chiro Corner, making sure we're staying healthy. Of course, we're all going to have those New Year's resolutions. We'll give a little bit of discussion about that and 
great ways to keep those resolutions, make sure we're getting to the gym, even though it's difficult with things like wearing masks and, you know, doing this whole social distancing thing. But either way, 2021 is going to come with a bang. So I hope you guys all had a you know good holiday. Christmas is over and past now. We're in that awkward time between Christmas and New Year's. Being New Year's Eve, hope we all have a happy new slash next year. So, you know, of course, we encourage feedback from you guys, whether it's on our uh, Instagram or our Facebook at Official Cairo Corner. You can even send us an email at CairoCornerPodcast at gmail.com. You know, of course, again, we ask you to share us with a family member just to see if they'd benefit from any discussion about whether it's chiropractic care, health and wellness care, you name it. We'll reach out to you guys, get you a topic discussed. I'll give you a little teaser about our topic next week. We're going to do an interview with one of my colleagues I graduated with, Carly Wiedemann. She is a chiropractor down in Iowa. She uh, does a niche chiropractic technique called Blair. So we're going to get a little bit into what she does, how her clinic's been, clinical practice has been going since she graduated, discuss one of her favorite supplements. I think we're going to go over the bone matrix. I don't know a whole lot about it, so I can't wait for her to educate us into that. And, uh, you know, we'll just catch up with her, see how she's doing. So with that, we reach the end of today's road. Listen up next week to see which turn we make at the intersection of health and wellness. Until next time, Carol Corn listeners, Happy New Year!